sorry <laughs> they might be but then again if they're listening they just brought it upon themselves so person across the table from me who are you i am ken and person across the table from me i am jim together we are well ken and jim and this is off the record Woo-hoo. <laughs> a vinyl podcast <laughs> yeah, there sorry go. there we go i kind of forgot what it was called <laughs> well it's been a while it's it has. Been, it's been a while. It has. And not only has it been a while, I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying it and it was legitimately brought to my attention by my co-host here that we kind of got off a little off the rails in the last one. A little bit. How so? What what, what specifically? Well, probably like it was a little disingenuous, probably not everything we had was something we had or currently owned on vinyl. True. True. Um so to that end, we're coming back with a vengeance. We are. So not only in this episode is it stuff we have on vinyl, we are actually playing it on vinyl. And the proof in that is that if I lift my finger up, we get a nasty little ground hum going on. So this is certainly old school technology. Old it's school finest. technology. None of your newfangled wave files. I was going to say we've, we've progressed to 1970s. <laughs> To the 1970s. Indeed we have, man. Indeed we have. But before we get into the nuts and bolts, I do want to introduce a new sponsor. I mean, they really don't know they're a new sponsor, but... Those are the best kind of sponsors. Yes. They don't bother us. Surprise sponsors. Uh, Reverend Guitars. Both Jim and I, we, uh, we, we favor Reverend Guitars. Love them. Excellent workmanship. Excellent price. Unique features that you're not going to find on other guitars. Cool colors. Cool shapes. Cool sizes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know. What model um, do you play, Ken? I play the um, the King Bolt. Ooh, King Bolt. I'm actually looking at that new, though. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it now. You know that one. Yeah. I, I have a uh, Flat Rock with the Revtron humbuckers. Yes, and I have the Rail Hammers. Railhammer humbuckers, which I, I I do love, and the uh, the Wilkinson tremolo, which I love. Oh man! And and the the ever so amazing bass contour. Yes, I want that in every guitar I have. Every guitar, I need to steal that schematic from them. Yes, and the tun- so Ken Haas, if you're listening, keep that a secret. <laughs> and the tuners are awesome too. Yes, uh, yes. The Reverend Pinlock tuners, standard. Love them. Yeah. So if you're a guitar player. And you've ever been curious about them? It's it's a no brainer. If you're a guitar player and you're looking for something aside from the normal Fenders and Gibsons that are just kind of, for lack of a better word, shoved down your throat, definitely go to Reverend. Definitely check them out. Awesome. All right, bills are paid. Okay. So we're back, and um, I guess we're going to do it a little bit differently this time. And that instead of picking an album, Jim had the great idea 
Well, the, the, the idea kind of came to me sideways. I think the initial idea here was that you and I were each going to pick three albums or something, right? Something like that. And we would ju do just a selection of songs off of three albums. And I kind of had three albums in mind, and I realized they were from a rather narrow time period. And when I looked up their release dates, I found that they were actually all released in the same year, which got me to thinking that maybe we could each just pick a year and concentrate on that year in music. So to that end, my year is 1979. Good year. And uh, I've found that with a lot of the vinyl records that I own, you know, I, I prefer to buy them used. And stuff from the late 70s, early 80s, you know, tends to be inexpensive, easy to find, in good shape, and it's music that I love. Uh, so this is right in my wheelhouse, definitely. So uh, this is 1979. And what I'm going to do here is just pull up the old uh, Wikipedia entry for the year 1979 in music. Maybe they could be a sponsor. Wikipedia? Yes. <laughs> and uh, let's say, I mean, just chronologically here, um, the first week of the year. And it's actually kind of funny because I've always kind of thought that these two artists were quite similar. Definitely contemporaries, not only in time, but also in location. I mean, I'm sure they were both doing their thing in London. And one of them we've discussed previously on the old podcast. And the other guy I've always thought was kind of very similar. Different, but similar. So on the same day, January 5th, 1979, these two albums were released, Ken. And I'm going to hold them up here. Because there's a little bit of an element of surprise. Ken hasn't actually seen the albums that I, that I have here. So... Released on the same date. Armed Forces by nice. Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Nice. And Look Sharp by Joe Jackson. Wow. Those are, those, are, those are some shoes right there. Those are shoes, man. I know you folks can't see this, but. So, I mean, you know, Armed Forces, like I said, we've already done an entire episode on Elvis Costello. So I don't know if we need to play anything from this album, but I mean. Senior Service, Oliver's Army, Green Shirt, Goon Squad, Moods for Moderns, Two Little Hitlers, and of course, What's So Funny About Peace, Peace Love, Love and Understanding. Understanding. So, I mean, awesome album, but uh, not necessarily one of the, the original three that I had chosen, but this one was. Looks okay. Look Sharp by Joe Jackson. So let's pop this out of its cover here and uh, throw it on the old turntable and see what we can do. If I'm not mistaken, is it Joe Jackson that did the song that Anthrax did a cover of? Yes, and a matter of fact, that is, well, they might have done two of his songs. Really? Really? This has got uh, got the time. That's the one I'm thinking That's of, the, yeah. the last track on side two. But he also had another album called I'm the Man. Mm. I don't know if Anthrax did a song off of that. That might warrant further research during during the break. Right. So... All right, so this is side one, track one of Look Sharp. And, I mean, it just starts off with, I'm sure you've heard this song. This song is, is just killer. This track's called One More Time.
for my money, the bass guitar tone on this album is probably one of the best bass guitar tones I've ever heard. Tell me one more time as I hold your You know, it, 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 it's, it's really crisp and clean, with at, but it's still got that bottom end at the same time. Yeah, nice. The bassist is a guy named Graham Maybe, if I have that correct. I don't have liner notes in this particular album. And folks, again, I know you can't see what we're looking at, but go to Google Images and look up the album for Joe Jackson Look Sharp. Those are some... Those are some shoes. Those shoes look like something that the that they w- that would be worn in Spy vs. Spy. Yes. Sure. Those are some sharp-looking shoes. Yes. Quite literally. Very pointed. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a if a blade comes out of the tip of that thing. <laughs> oh, there you go. On the back cover. Graham, maybe. Again, folks, you can't see this, but uh, I'm doing my best to keep the gremlins <laughs> out of the mix here. The beauty of the human body used as a grounding object. The lightning rod, dude. Don't make me spit my water. Sorry, not on, not onto these sensitive electronics. Right. And then the bass gets a little, a little more active as we ride out here. Now the next two tracks are Sunday Papers, great song. Is She Really Going Out With Him? Probably the mm-hmm. best-known song right. off this album. But I'm going to skip those tracks. And I'm going to move ahead to, uh, you know, what I think is typical Joe Jackson. He's got those uh, acerbic lyrics to this song. See how close I get to uh, to hitting the... Uh, hitting the mark. He's close. You'll have to edit this part. Well, keep it in. No, we don't have to... Something going wrong around here this is the beauty of this podcast. We are not We are not going for the polished. Goodness no. For the polished product and product. This 
tracks called Happy Loving Couples. And he sings about anything but. I just been to see my best friend. He's found another girl. Says she's just about the best thing in the whole damn world. And even the sonics are very reminiscent to me of Elvis Costello. Yeah. The bass is really prominent. The guitar almost has a similar tone to it. Mm-hmm. I guess Elvis had more keyboards going on than, than we're hearing here. Yeah, that's probably the main difference, obviously, but I agree. I mean, no. Good. The music's similar. The, the, the quality, complexity of the lyrics. Yes, yes. as lyricists, they're, they're, they're very on par. said this before, but to me, late 70s, early 80s was, I think, the pinnacle of getting great sound in the studio. Because mm-hmm. everything was still analog at the time. Yeah. Um, but they perfected the art of just recording analog instruments. And uh, as we'll see later in the year, I mean, 79 was quite literally, in more ways than one, the brink of the 80s. Because the synth stuff was, was just starting to come out. Synthesizer-driven stuff benefited from the analog recording. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because even the synths themselves were analog. Right. It's so funny. I listened to him, and, and like I could hear Elvis singing this. Yes, they're almost interchangeable yeah. to some extent. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's side one. A couple choice tracks from side one. Stop and flip it on over. Let's see what I want to pick here. Uh, Look Sharp, the title track, is, is on this side. I'm not going to play that track. Uh, Folks, he's not going to play that. No. We'll go with track one on this side because I think it's got that that upbeat tone that the teens love. <laughs> the teens these days. The kids. The kids, they love it. In their bobby socks. They love the Joe Jackson. <laughs> they love the Joe Jackson and they love the pot. They loved the Quaaludes back then, too. Oh, well. Yeah, this song sounds like he... Sounds like he could have been on Happy Days before they jumped the shark. I was going to say, 
be surprised, but a lot of bands from this time were actually kind of reaching back into yeah. sounds from like the 60s, maybe even the 50s too. Yeah. But I mean, I guess this qualifies almost as new wave music. You know? mm-hmm. Taking kind of older sounds, it's a punk influence. Now listen to those backing vocals. Yeah. That is right out of Arnold's drive. It is totally right out of <laughs> Totally see uh, Potsy singing back up in this song. <laughs> and the bass guitar tone just continues to be awesome. <laughs> Look at this. The shoes actually get a credit on the back cover. Do they really? Shoes by Denson. D-E-N-S-O-N. Denson. Yes. So folks, if you see those shoes when you look this image up and you want to buy them, if Denson's still in business... No, there you go. If they're a going concern, Denson. I wonder if Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson ever had a fight. Or if they ever made sweet love. <laughs> or did both in the same night. <laughs> then the only question is, which one did they do first? <laughs> they beat the crap out of each other and then have makeup sex. Yeah. And then had another fight. And then had another fight. This is pure speculation on our part, folks. Folks, we have nothing to back this up. Uh, so that's track one, side two. Uh, Look Sharp is next. Fools in Love, which is another, uh, you know, kind of backhanded, acerbic kind of a song. But I'm going to skip just to the final track, which is, in fact, the one that Anthrax covered at some point. And this has uh, got the time. Covered it on their Persistence of Time album. Let me back that up because I, I didn't quite get the, the front there. You can. Do you want to say uh, persistence of time again? Hang on. Persistence of time. Uh, what was that Anthrax album again? Persistence of time. Some more sounds from the fifties right there. Huh? Yeah. It's Joe Jackson and Bill Haley in his comments. <laughs> Joe Jackson and Bill Haley's comments.
very energetic track. I mean, it doesn't really give up anything to the Anthrax version in terms of ferocity. This has got some sonic meat to it. You know? Oh, it does. It's not metal, but but I can, you can see why you can see why a metal band would would like this song. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and want to do a cover. And I would also say it's it's. It's a bit of a departure, at least from the the, the the songs we were hearing so far. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is much more revved up yeah. punk attitude. I guess it could have been the audience a little bit, too. I mean, these guys are Brits, you know, and they might have been certainly influenced by, you know, what played in Britain. Right. And maybe... Reaching back into the 50s and 60s was what some Brits wanted to hear. But when did when did Britain and their um, I guess, for lack of a better word, prohibition of, of rock music. Because there was a time, like, they weren't allowed to play rock music and modern music on the airways in England. Yeah. When did that end? Like, I don't know. But, I mean, I've never seen the movie, but you reminded me of that pirate radio yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the BBC was kind of a state-controlled government controlled right. uh, outlet so yeah I mean I don't know when uh, I mean I would imagine it would be and I would imagine it would have ended by that by the time this album came out but you would think you just kind of had me thinking about them reaching back thinking maybe as a way to get around okay Okay, on to surprise number two. Yeah, let's go back to the list a little bit. Like I said, trying to just step through this year in chronological order. Um, UFO, Strangers in the Night. Um, Cheap Trick, Live at Budokan. Nice. Out in February. Uh, Frank Zappa with Shake Your Booty. Van Halen 2 was in March. We mentioned that one. Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Journey, Evolution. You familiar with that Journey album? No, I'm not. Well, neither am I. Tube Way Army. That, that'll play in a little bit later because uh, one of the members of Tube Way Army released a solo album later in the year, which... I'm going to play. How about this Kiss album, Dynasty? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never owned it, but I know that. I, you're yeah. familiar with it? Familiar with it. <laughs> Michael Nesmith released an album in May, which I've never heard it. Called I Hate the Monkeys? <laughs> no. It actually has an awesome title. It's oh, called really? Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's deep. That is deep, man. You got it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> the 
Kids Are Alright by The Who. Okay, June 11th. That uh, takes us to the... Actually, again, June 11th and June 13th. Uh, the next two albums that I want to focus on. So, June 11th. One big, super huge track off of this record. And I got to tell you, did you ever go to the Penn Pizza Palace? I got to tell you. Um, when you were a kid? Yes, yes, I did. Okay. I can distinctly remember when this song was current, you know, being six years old. Yeah. And playing this song on the jukebox in the Penn Pizza Palace. Now, wait, I'm going to tell you something. Before you tell me this. Yeah. I have a similar memory of a song playing on the jukebox at Leonetti's Pizza. Yeah. Lynn. And I it's a long shot that this is gonna be the same song or even the same band, but if it is, my mind will be effing blown. Okay. So So I'm watching your face for the reaction. The album is No. no not it. Okay. No, not it. The album is Get the Knack by the Knack. Right. And the the song, of course, the huge song is My Sharona, which has a freaking awesome guitar solo it does. to it. So uh, the outro solo is amazing. So we will be playing that track in its entirety because that's a good one. But, I mean, the rest of the album is just, it's, I don't know. It's one of those albums where it sounds like they could have gone in and just cut everything live in one afternoon and everything just sounds awesome. So uh, let's see here. Get the neck. Apparently there was a huge backlash against the band because... I guess Capitol Records had hyped them up and, you know, touted them as being the next Beatles. And I guess there was all this pre-release hype about them. And it sold like a bazillion copies early on. But I don't know. Critics cried foul uh, against all that. I, I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, Cried foul that they were being lauded as, as the next Beatles? Yeah, or that they <clears throat> achieved like such instant popularity kind of, you know, more on the uh, on the back of the hype mm. than, than any. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So let's see where do we want to go with this. I'm gonna skip uh, to uh, track number four on side one. For those of you playing along at home, that's track number four. That's track number four. The Lark. <laughs> <laughs> That, uh, that. Check it out. Check out the background. Again, very reminiscent of the Beatles, you know, almost uh, mimicking their their live setup in yeah. uh, in the movie, uh, you know, Help. No, Hard Day's Night. Sorry. The lyrics are just so completely oversexed in this whole album. They're lascivious, almost. Did you, did you open up? Did you find your old Oracle word book before we did, we did this podcast? Find it? You mean under my pillow, <laughs> where I sleep with it every night? <laughs> I have to say though, um, the two guys smiling on the right. Yeah. Your left, my right. Yeah. Those smiles are a little creepy. 
Those are some shit-eating grins right there. And the singer, of course, is the second from the left. That's Doug Figer. Yeah. Doug, yeah. Like I said, he's... Yeah. song he's just like singing to some underage oversexed girl to get another copy of this album. I'm sure there's a zillion of them out there. Or a bazillion. <laughs> well, you know, if you come, if you come over to the uh, Jersey side, we've, there's like... It's a mecca over there. It's, uh, there's like four on Haddon Avenue alone. A new one just opened up. I haven't seen it yet. I remember when Haddon Avenue was just a bunch of closed, empty shop fronts and a vacuum cleaner store. Yeah. No kidding. It was, a, it, was a, it was a ghost town. No shit, Sherlock. Okay, that track was called uh, She's So Selfish. And uh, we'll skip to the last track on side one. This is an <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And 
down. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I um, outside of my Sharona, yeah, I, I this is very little to this band. Oh, there so. you go. But again, here's like a throwback to the '50s kind of, but the lyrics are totally modern. Mm-hmm. Totally overset. trying to channel a little bit of uh, Johnny Cash with his vocal Oh, I can kind of see that. Singing low like that. I can kind of see that. I, I, I thought you were going to go with channeling a little bit of Nabokov with his lyric writing, but, but yeah, I see the Johnny Cash. Second act at Arnold's drive in that night. <laughs> I'm not sure Arnold would have let them sing this. No, but the other guy would Al? Al Galvecchio? Uh, maybe. Yeah. He would He was losing. You think Fonzie would have stopped it? The moral beacon of Milwaukee. <laughs> the Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, flip over to side two. Uh, they actually do a cover of Heartbeat, which I believe was a Buddy Holly mm. song. Um, yeah. The last song, Frustrated, another sexually charged track. But uh, <laughs> track one, side two. And uh, just a little, I guess, comment here. You know, back in the days when albums had two sides. You know, the placement of the songs was very Very important. important, yeah. You know, so here's My Sharona. It's, you know, first track on side two, which was very key, right? Because you want to flip that album over and mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't want to have the letdown. Right. You don't want to have the slump. You want, right. you want the killer track, first song of side two. So let's see. 
this album was produced by a guy named Mike Chapman, who was a big-time songwriter and producer. He produced, I think, Blondie albums and this album. And I had heard a podcast with an hour-long interview with the guy. taking these bands and whipping them into shape, you know, really directing them. Um, so yeah, I mean, his influence, he's probably almost like a fifth member of the band, because not the same guy who, hang on, I'm going to look something up here. Get it up for the touch of the younger cut. Thanks, Doug. were describing him you were you were reminding me of the guy who produced the runaways that's Kim Fowler
is good. Panting and moaning going on here at the end of the track. I thought that was just because he was tired, but tired from playing the guitar solo. <laughs> Songwriters of credit on here are the singer and the lead guitar player. And I once had listened to another podcast with the guitar. And he had a great line. He said, when people ask me what do I do these days, you know, for work, he says, I go down to my mailbox once a week and pick up a check. Uh, because he still gets such royalties from that song. Wow. So... See, we just we just really need the right one hit song, Jim. <laughs> That's all we need to do. <laughs> just one song. Just one, baby. Just one. Like happy birthday. Yeah, like happy birthday. Okay. Gonna uh talk there a little bit and I'm gonna make a What are you gonna do? We gotta, we gotta pay the bills. Okay. Um We're going to pay the bills before I get into the next album? Yeah, we're going to pay them before you get the next, next album. Okay, well, go for it, man. It'll be, uh, it'll be really brief. But this, uh, this mid-show sponsor is, I think, very apropos of what we do. Superstars are in the spotlight. KTL's spectacular new album of original hits, Original Superstars, Alicia Bridges. Taste of Honey. The Spotlight is on Player, Hall & Oates, Stephen Bishop, Bob Welsh, Crystal Gale, and John Paul Young. Paul Davis. Jerry Rafferty. I have that. Spotlight, a fantastic new album from Detail Showcase Series. LP 599, 8-track or cassette, 799. Now available at Woolworth, McCrory, Save-A-Lot, Ames, Eckert Drugs, and at Drug Fair, Two Guys, Montgomery Wards, Sears, and G.C. Murphy. Two Guys. Folks, we'd like to thank KTEL for coming on as a new sponsor. Uh, peddling all the music that your parents thought was cool and you didn't. I, I'm looking forward to a long and, and fruitful relationship with KTEL. I, they're going to be around for a while. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you get a sense of it like I do. No, no, I feel it. It's but they're going to be around for I have, a long I have, time to come. I have a premonition for sure. All right, I'm going to start the lead into my next album here. Uh, get the knack was June 11th. June 13th, a mere two days later, was this album, second album by this band, and uh, I mean to me, if you think new wave. Uh, these guys to me are definitely it and this has got some awesome cover art oh this is candy o by the cars yes and i think the first album the first album to me is the one where like almost every single track is an awesome song this one not every song is awesome to me but uh i mean candy o the title track is very good um, got a lot on my head, double life, but I really just want to play one track off of this. Gotcha. And it's actually 
track one, side one. Now, these guys were a band. I mean, they incorporated great guitar playing with uh, Elliot Easton. Uh, they had killer synths. And I, I mean, this track in particular, I think, just has some awesome synthesizer riffs to it. And then they had two really good singers. I mean, Rick yeah. Kasich and um, Benjamin Orr, the yes. bass player. You know, they traded off, and, and both of them were awesome. I probably prefer Benjamin Orr a, as the uh, the singer, quite honestly. So here we go. <laughs> Sorry folks, there's a somewhat inside joke there That's too long to explain And in addition to all those Very legitimate points you made about this song And the band in general Because I, I love the cards as well Yeah. This is also one of their songs That, that, that hits me in the nostalgia feels Oh yeah? Yeah was younger their music was like kind of music you would put on headphones and listen to in the dark I mean it just had that vibe I still I still think Rico Kasich looks like somebody in that picture. I can't. I can't quite put my finger on it. No? Elliot Easton looks extremely mellow in that shot. Looks like Gary Moore. <laughs> oh, who is Kasich looking like to me in that picture? Killing me. He looks actually like an actress. I'm not getting that, but Avril Lavigne, maybe. I'm not getting that, but you know something I love about this band too is the, the keyboard player. In a modern band, you know where band members are auditioned for the way they look. Right. The keyboard player would, would never be in a band. 
too short, too nerdy looking. I think a lot of them look big. So, awesome track. I mean, to me, that that's like that song is a continuation of the first album. You know, because it's as good as anything on the first album. Uh, in general, the whole album, you know, Candio, mm-hmm. uh, while good, I, I don't think every single track is a killer like the first album. So I think we kind of covered the three albums I wanted to go to in uh, go into in detail. But just to continue scrolling through 1979 real briefly. Um, Did you get a, did you get a new iPad there, Jim? Uh, this is actually a um, Amazon, oh, an Amazon Fire yeah. tablet, really HD ten, yeah. and you can do fun things like Alexa. Tell me a joke. Knock knock, who's there? Cash, cash who? No, thank you. I'm allergic to nuts. <laughs> <laughs> They're all very cute jokes. Can you, uh, Alexa, tell me a dirty joke? <laughs> I guess technically that's dirty because they're talking about cleaning products or cleaning yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or sh- she'll tell you a joke about mud or something. Right. That's funny. Uh, oh, man. Where are we at here? Uh, the B-52s released, ah. released their debut album in July. Nice. Here's an album, uh, the title track of which influenced uh, the name of a band you may not have heard of, but it was the Kinks. And the album and the song were low budget. You give me a blank stare. I'm giving you a blank stare. I'm sure you know the story, but I was on my driving on my way from Delaware to Jersey one time, and I heard this song on the radio, and I misheard the lyrics when they were singing low budget. I thought they were singing Love Urchin, <laughs> and I came to you guys probably right at, you know after I had made that drive, and I said, wow. "What about Love Urchin?" So, yeah. So that was July. Uh, Highway to Hell, ACDC. We should write uh, the Davies and say, hey, uh, even though we didn't hear you correctly, you guys are responsible, responsible for the name of our band. <laughs> How about uh, Rainbow with an album called Down to Earth? I'm familiar with Rainbow, but not as much that album. Okay. Chris Christofferson, Shake Hands with the Devil. Never heard of it. Never heard of him. Talking Heads. <laughs> Talking Heads were out there. Here you go. Led Zeppelin's In Through the Outdoor. August of 79. That's uh, it's actually one of my favorites. Uh, XTC, Drums and Wires. The Heat of the Night by Pat Benatar. Uh, so you can really see the, the 70s fading out and the 80s you know, clearly coming to view here. Uh, let's see what else. Okay, here's the next one. September, September 7th, I mentioned Tubeway Army earlier. Yes. Tubeway Army, apparently almost no one's ever heard of, but one of the people in that project was Gary Newman. Mm. The Pleasure Principle is the album. Uh, This is the album that has cars on it. And like I said, I mean, 79, late 79, was quite literally, you know, on the brink of what would come to be known as 80s music. Certainly Cars is on here, but let's see if we can pick a different track. Um, I mean, Cars is a good out, a good track, but let's just try something different. You know, the, the, the side one has uh, 
such titles as Airlane, Metal, Complex, and Films. So let's try Metal, track two, side one. Uh, you said track two, side one? Because on the liner notes, they have it as the first song. Mm. What's going on there? Unless track one, track one might be instrumental. Maybe there are no lyrics. Maybe. Oh, okay. That could be. But. Very European-looking cover, you know? Like, it's got that Bowie Berlin era kind yeah. of thing going on. A little bit glam, right? He's, he's, a little bit, he's yeah. He's got some eyeshadow. Yeah. And the guys on the back are dressed in some very strange... It's almost... Uh, Japanese. It's almost Logan's Runnish. Star Blazers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, all, the, all they need is the arrows on their shirts yeah. to be Star Blazers. <laughs> but, you know, this is such a departure because every other album I picked here was live musicians... Playing live, even the cars. I mean, those were analog synthesizers that were being performed live. But here you've got something that sounds very much like it's just, I don't know if it's a drum machine. It's got that robotic sound off of the track. Yeah. This sounds very much like a studio produced sound and not a, a band playing. This is the forerunner of all of those early 80s synth bands. Duran Duran, Human League, Flock of Seagulls. Mm -hmm. All those bands you think of that were yeah. really heavy with the synthesizers. And I'm not familiar with Tube Boy Army. I've never listened to it, but I gather that that was probably more of a traditional band. But he decided he wanted to branch out on his own and explore this sound. Part's giving me a real Thomas Dolby feel. So there's another guy, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess I never really realized, you know, in those early days of MTV and all those bands like Human League and Duran Duran, how almost exclusively British all those bands were. It's only much later that it Iron Maiden, Def Leppard, Judas Priest, yeah. you know, 
they were. I don't think they came to the scene yet, necessarily, but they were. Well, were oddly enough, to. Judas Priest has been around since the seventies. They just didn't like the the really heavy stuff. Didn't they, they kind of evolved? Yeah. And like so, there, there, there are more metal stuff that you that you used to hear. Yeah, this, that's still to come. Okay. Now we're getting towards the end of 1979 here. Uh, that was Gary Newman, Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East. Not familiar with that one. Uh, talk about the 80s being right around the corner. U2 uh, mm. released an EP in September of 79. Uh, Barry Manilow, One Voice. Kenny Rogers released Kenny. You know, it's Kenny. it's uh, it's a shame because when it was, uh, what was the band? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. In the early seventies, Kenny Rogers and the oh god, yeah, those guys. The, are you thinking condition of that? My condition was in. Just checked in. Yeah, I, I mean that was stuff was great, and then you know, <laughs> then you get yeah the eighties Kenny Rogers. It's just like Ugh. how about Sammy Hagar with Street Machine? Wonder if yeah you know I, I'm not a I'm not a huge Hagar fan, so. But uh, all right, well there the Red Rocker was doing his thing in '79, uh, regarded de Blanc by the police. Joe Jackson with another release, I'm the Man. The Who with Quadrophenia. Fleetwood Mac Tusk. Donna Summer. In uh, October, Madness, One Step Beyond. Uh, but here, here's a track, I, well, an album I just want to pull out. Maybe pl- play one track from. Uh, this is October 19th. For my money. This guy is one of the best guitar players, hands down. Not not the lead singer, but the the side I, of the guitar. I, I think I saw the album, so I know. Yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his yeah. yeah. The album's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Damn the Torpedoes. The guitarist is Mike Campbell. Yeah, Mike Campbell is, is very yeah. good. Yeah. Very, very understated and underrated, I think. Let's see. Uh, Refugee, Here Comes My Girl, Even the Losers, uh, Don't Do Me Like That. I'm going to do Don't Do Me Like That, uh, just to pick one track, because, I, I, again, that, that's one that I can kind of recall hearing being played when it was current. intro has a very very Bruce Springsteen sounding that intro to me yeah Yeah. we're back on this side of the pond yes again the production is just so good yeah Can you see? Maybe you will bury me. 
This was recorded at Sound City, if you've ever seen that documentary. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sound City and The Wrecking Crew are, are, are probably my two favorite music documentaries. Yeah. yeah. I still have to seek out and watch The Wrecking Crew. I mean, this is back in the day when record companies were king. I mean, this is like a band from Florida goes to L.A., yeah, lives the life while they record an album. You know what I mean? Getting an advance from the record company. Got to, that had to be the pinnacle of that system. You know? I have to say this is probably the first time I've listened to a Tom Petty song all the way through since <laughs> I don't know when. As much as I, I like Campbell as a guitar player, I'm not a huge Tom Petty fan. No, he's, uh, you know, he's Tom Petty. All right. So I just have one more album that I'm going to want to pull out and, and play a track from. But let's just... Uh, Close out the year 1979 here. Uh, that was Tom P Petty and the Heartbreakers. Ah, Motorhead with Bomber. Bomber, sorry, Bomber. <laughs> Bomber. Motorhead with La Bamba. <laughs> uh, White Snake with Love Hunter. Iron Maiden, The Soundhouse Tapes EP. Pink Floyd, The Wall. ELO had already reached uh, their greatest hits album. <laughs> In December. AKA, they were at the end of a contract. <laughs> uh, London Calling by The Clash. That's yeah, that's December. Good stuff. But uh, in November, here's an album by. I mean, when you think 80s, this, is, this, this band became huge in the 80s. And their 80s sound was very much different from their 70s sound. And this album falls somewhere in between those two eras. This is De Gueo ah. by ZZ Top. Yes, and you are correct. They are, I guess, 70s and 80s are two sides of the same coin with them, yeah. There's, I mean, Cheap Sunglasses is on here. Uh, Manic Mechanic, which is a short and really weird song but really fun. But I'm going to go with track three on side one. I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Well, I don't know what you don't. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know what's rattling around in that brain of yours.
this is I'm Bad, I'm Nationwide. Gibbons always very secretive about his equipment and how he gets his tone. Yeah. Kind of hearing fuzz pedal on this. Gibbons using auto tune? <laughs> there is. He's, he's got some chorus. There's an effect. Yeah, yeah. For sure. transitional album for them because it's not that straight ahead beer drinkers hellraisers kind of production it's right. not the the 80s stuff with the synths right. and, the, and the drum machines this is somewhere in between them I picked this track because it's got a lot of guitar. Oh, I'm well aware why you picked it. <laughs> I see right through you on that. <laughs> well, I was moving down the road in my VA fold. I had a shine on my boots. I had my sideburns low with my new. Not sure what a New York brim is. Right. Sounds cool. Even if it's not, he makes it sound cool. With or without the gold teeth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Town real fast.
couple different guitar tones there. Yeah. Go back and forth. what i got for the year 1979 1979 you got it man i mean just very interesting uh, i mean you know so much going on the the production you know the technology the, the analogness of it was all at a peak uh the 80s i mean they were right there you could feel them coming especially mm-hmm. with that gary newman stuff right you know? and uh yeah just I was surprised how many albums I have in my little collection that happened to be from that year. So there you go, 1979. Oh, to be six years old again. Yes. Listen, for you, you, five and six. Yeah, well, you know, I I, hey, uh, the 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 notion is is (laughs) all the same, and uh, yeah, I totally get it, and. Folks, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this little uh, journey, I, journey in time. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, which was quite a lot. Uh, immensely so. All right. And uh, who knows? Maybe in a future podcast, maybe there'll be another spotlighted year. Maybe. Oh, I can, I can almost guarantee that that's going to happen. You can almost guarantee almost it? Almost guarantee it. All right. That's enough of an assurance for me. The question is, is the audience... All, th- all three of you <laughs> happy with that promise. Ken, bonus points. Oh, bonus points. Look at the original price tag up there. That $6.47? From? Two Guys. Two Guys. From Two Guys. Nice. Yes. The Gary Newman album, ori- originally priced at $6.47 at Two Guys. Nice. Couldn't even get him up to six ninety nine. All right. Hey, that's all I got. And that's all I got. And folks, um, we're gonna sign off here. Thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully, we didn't put you to sleep. Keep spinning wax, folks. Keep spinning that wax. Keep looking up. <laughs> Jack or grabber. <laughs> Reminding you. We might have to have a side project called The Vinyl Hustler. The Vinyl Hustler? (laughs) Yeah. That could go in a couple different directions. Yeah. 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 None of them (laughs) (laughs) record-related. Absolutely. Although I do think a a New York brim could figure into into that podcast. It it certainly might. (laughs) All right, folks. We're going to be signing off. Until we uh, till we come back at you in the future with a future episode. Yeah. When do you think we'll get around to recording another one of these guys? Probably never. Uh, well, it's good while last. Yeah, we're used to these long hiatuses. But you never know. We might surprise you. We might surprise ourselves. All right. See ya. <laughs>